Good morning and welcome to the Weldon Green Podcast. I have another episode for you today, episode 165 of the Ask Weldon Show. Today we have a number of calling questions from Anchor. So remember, if you're listening to this on the podcast, which I'm only talking to you guys, so uh, obviously you're listening to this on the podcast, but if you're listening to this on the Anchor app, you can call into the show just by going to my profile and clicking call in. So make sure that you you do that. Uh, I need questions for the show, and I prefer audio questions for the show. I've been doing this show now daily for the last month, and it's really working out. I'm getting an influx of questions, but sometimes the audio questions run low, and I have to turn to Twitter or Discord. Uh, and I'd prefer just to have other voices on the show, voices of you guys, and eventually, hopefully, call-in questions. And we'll probably do call-in questions in Anchor or in, on Discord, one of, one of the two. So those are the two best places to follow the podcast or in the Anchor app or um, on the show here uh, or, you know, whatever podcasting app you you prefer to use. Um, you can hop in the Discord community and you will definitely have access to any of the colon shows there because uh, unlike unlike Anchor, you don't need necessarily need a device to, to make that happen. So anyway, that's that's all that I'll distract you with as far as news announcements. And why don't we jump into the show? Good morning and welcome to the Ask Weldon Show, episode 165. Today we're going to talk about the difference between psychology and cognitive science, which one you should choose if you're going to study at the university. Increasing difficulty mode in solo queue, um, how to lead randoms in solo queue, and your first steps toward becoming a professional team. Welcome to the show. My name is Weldon Green, and this is a show where as a sports psychology trainer and an experienced professional esport coach and player development coach, I answer your questions. Most of the questions that are called into the show are related to, to either League of Legends, eSport, um, sports psychology, or performance in some way, but I'm willing to handle anything that you can throw at me. And uh, you can always ask questions of your own by checking out the links down below the show. And make sure that you come check out the show live, twitch.tv slash mindgameswelden, because before and after this recording that you're seeing here, we have a fantastic time delving deep into issues with the audience there. Okay, so updates. I refuse to be one of those awesome YouTubers who vlogs their wonderful life and connects with their viewers every single day and never tells them about the bad stuff that's going on. So my updates are not having that great a day. A lot of stress recently over some lost revenue this month and a new baby being born in seven days caused me to have insomnia last night. I got three hours of sleep, then my alarm went off at 4 a.m. for this show, and here I am recording it live. And uh, and trying to stave off the tiredness and exhaustion after basically making some bad decisions. I think I ended up giving up around 11.30 and just going downstairs and eating and watching YouTube for like 45 minutes before trying to go to sleep again. Probably not the best decision, but, you know, I was sick of laying there staring into the dark. So here we go, guys. Let's try to not yawn in your face 50 times as we go through these questions. Ready, get set, and go. First question is a great question from, I think, Daniel. I, I didn't write the names down, you know, guys. Um, so hopefully they introduce themselves. Hey, well done. Oops, that's the last question, everybody. My bad. Hello, well done. This is Daniel. Uh, I wanted to ask you something about psychology and the studies. So what happens is that I am currently studying in France. And 
the first year you have to decide if you want to study psychology or cognitive science and I'm really sure which one I want to study. I really like both, even if I'm kind of prefer psychology and not 100% sure. So I wanted to ask you your opinion about each one of those two. All right. First of all, thank you for calling in the question. Um, for those of you who are not aware of the difference between psychology and cognitive science, cognitive science is the study of, um, I guess, the, the brain, science of the brain, everything that goes into the brain and what happens when you do. So it's a mixture of a lot of different fields. It's interdisciplinary. You have um, artificial intelligence, computer science, psychology, neurology, um, a lot of a lot of kind of like uh, crossroads of a lot of different fields in order to do cognitive science. And most cognitive science is very objectively based, and it's more about the computation of information and the actual process of uh, aggregating that information and learning. Uh, in the in the brain, and as such, it's it usually you have far far less of the field is focused on on the more kind of general concepts of human behavior, and much more of the field uh, and the research probably is focused on very concrete things such as the acquisition of of uh, you know vision, how it is that you see something, and then what happens when you see it, how it is that you convert that into possibly an image, um, things like that. So. The kind of the nitty-gritty of neuroscience, I would say. So cognitive science and then psychology is is based around human perception and human thinking and human behavior, I would say, in the world at large. And kind of the interplay there between fully formed thought and decision-making. And it's really hard to, to turn that into a concrete science, as you would say physics or biology is. So, of course, it draws from... Um, physiological and biological backgrounds, but ultimately we're talking about the software here and we don't exactly know. We're in the same situation as Newton. We don't exactly know what are the particles that are affecting the the apple to fall from the tree. And so we observe the apple falling from the tree and we make formulas based on our best guess to explain, you know, what the acceleration and 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 describe what gravity is and what the force is that's being applied. And even though it gets invalidated, you know, hundreds of years later or 100 years later, I'm not sure the difference between Newton and Einstein, but even though it gets invalidated later on by newer science that understands the actual rate of fall of the apple and can explain it with a more precise scientific background, it still is a pretty good guess um, at what's going on. So those are the two fields. And this uh, gentleman who I now have to look up the name because this is getting pretty absurd. I think it's Daniel. Yeah. Daniel is wondering, uh, what what should he do? What should he choose to follow? Uh, well, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of insight into that because I didn't actually have to get a, a job in cognitive science. So I don't know how difficult or hard it is. And I didn't actually have to get a job in psychology either. So I don't know how difficult or hard that is. Personally, I believe that the whole field of psychology is going towards cognitive science. So I believe that as we understand more and more of the brain, we will be less and less like Newton, just guessing at what's going on, and more and more like Einstein and um, the physicist at CERN, and we will know what's going on, and we'll be able to analyze it physically. So I think psychologists who do not have a background in the mechanics of neurons 
and the and the ability to read things like magnetoencephalography machines and really kind of understand the the brain as a computer are going to suffer mightily in 20 or 30 years as the field moves strongly in that direction as we have the capability to understand thought from vision from computer vision of the brain so my recommendation would be either both or to future proof proof your psychology career by frantically studying everything you can about neuroscience and the physical aspects of the brain. That would be my suggestion to you and to anybody who's thinking of studying psychology nowadays. Because I think psychology is going to drastically change over the next 40 years as we get stronger and stronger ways of looking into the brain and saying what exactly is going on. All right, easy and simple question. Best of luck to you in choosing your major. Let's jump into question number two. Got to turn on the gain on this. Hey, Wilden. I just got done with a video of the Mac program where you talked about meditating in public to raise the level of training. Aside from bad ping and your forced timed rooms with Talon, uh, what are some other ways that I can transfer this concept to League of Legends training? All right. So for those of you who are not aware, I I, I have a training program called the Mac program, which I'll get into later. And in that program, I talk about increasing the, the difficulty of your uh, meditation by doing it in public or by when we do walking meditation, uh, also kind of like absorbing the environment, doing, you know, standing by the street side and, and opening your eyes and staring off into the distance for a minute or two gets you a lot of stares and being mindful of those stares and not mindful of them and not care about them is, uh, is a challenge. But anyway, in League of Legends, I... I talk about an example of when I one-trick Talon and I force myself to roam at level 6, period. And what happens at level 6 is uh, maybe I take a bad trade at level 5 and I go down 10 HP. I still And then I ding level 6. I still have to roam. I have to roam, go to the other side lane, die to the opposing champion, and feel the pain and, and inadequacy of my level 5 trade and the horrible decision that that made for my squad by inting it in another lane with that 10 HP or dying to the jungler along the way. Hey, this is by the way, pre talent rework where you couldn't lob over your walls. So it was harder to get away from people in the jungle. But anyway, um, yeah. So Ryan here, or I think it's Ryan, um, uh, LS Nick, if you're, if you're, uh, just going off of the voice, he asked, what are some other ways of making league more difficult for you? Well, Honestly, you can do that with any single champion. You can create drills that you can follow. So, for example, with Lissandra, you can say that I'm going to teleport when the teleport is on cooldown, period. My first teleport is going to come my very first base after level 6, and then my next teleports are going to come exactly on cooldown. You will back out from wherever you are in the lane and just teleport immediately and do a play. So what that will force you to do is a minute before your teleport is up, you will try to craft a play that you can teleport into because otherwise your teleport looks pretty dang silly if, uh, you know, it's just in the middle of an empty lane to farm. So you start to craft plays. You start to notice when you have a minute left on your timer. You start to try to lead the team into a situation where you can actually teleport in and make a difference and flank them, these kinds of things. Just literally make any drill with any champion that makes sense and puts a timer on you and forces you to undergo certain actions in preparation for that, which force you to learn which force you to take leadership, which force you to learn trades, which force you to learn decision-making in lane, whatever it is. The point is that you don't have to think about 
teaching yourself the thing because the situation of the game forces you to learn it whether you like it or not by punishing you when you F it up or mess it up in that in that regard. Does that make sense? I think I think that basically if you go to the Discord, my channel Discord, you can get help crafting drills like this in the League of Legends channel. So we'll make the, we'll make that the place where we're trying to craft champion drills. Okay, guys. Next question. We're going to have a fast show today. We might actually break 45 minutes. I mean, like on the bottom end. I think I think the show's been getting a little bit long, so hopefully today we can keep it under 30. Hey, Weldon. You've talked a lot about in-game leadership and how you can win games simply by telling people what they need to hear. Personally, I don't have any problem with settling my emotions and getting prepared to say the right things. However, in a solo queue game, what are some ways that I can know the right things to say to a completely random person I know nothing about? In particular, many times people don't want to be told anything at all and seem to get even angrier even if what's being said is not aggressive. Thanks. Hey, Weldon. Okay. I love this question because most of the time I talk about servant leadership, people ask, what do I say to my teammate who blah, 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 blah. And I say, tell them the thing that they need to hear, not what you want to say. And everybody goes, okay, that's awesome. Cool. Thanks. Great advice. You're totally right. And they go off and they try to understand their teammates more deeply and they try to figure out, you know, what that person needs to hear and and kind of what's going on with them. And then there's a bunch of people in solo queue who are like, hey, Weldon. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, your advice is useless because I'm in solo queue and I can't figure out what this dude needs in the 60 minutes of game time that we have together. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. This advice is not for solo queue. Actually, it is for solo queue. It still applies for solo queue. The fact of the matter is you just do not have enough time to figure out the person and to connect with them on another level that is deeper than just the game and to figure out you know what their needs are and what their desires are in life and what makes them tick and what makes them uh, get triggered. So, what do you do? My mindset, and I think the mindset that you should adopt, is you are not there to win your game anymore in solo queue. You might be there to help the next teammate of this person win their game. And so your job is not necessarily to say the thing again that you need or you want to say in order to win the game, but to say the thing that this person needs to hear to have a better day. The right thing to say is always the right thing to say. So if you see somebody flaming somebody else and bullying them, you step up and you defend that person and you tell the other person to stop. If you see somebody beating themselves up over a bad play or a bad game, you stop their self-abuse and, and you say why it's not valuable or useful and why you disagree with them about their flagellation of themselves. If you see somebody else railing into somebody else or you see deathly silence after a mistake and everybody being embarrassed um, to break the ice and and the person who is is the mistake in the game, like quietly slinking away in shame and tilting off the face of the earth into into who knows what kind of pain, self-inflicted pain, you reach out to them and you build a human connection and show that you appreciate them as a person independent and and outside of and with any without any relevance at all to the game that is happening. And you somehow signify that through the words that you choose. So for example, um hey man, this seems like a pretty sucky game. I'm really sorry. I hope your day is going well. Otherwise, um, it's pretty snowy here. So 
That's why I'm inside just playing League all day. How's it going? You can always get people talking about the weather, even in League of Legends, but you get the idea that you want to, you want to kind of connect with them on a human level independent of the game, which means that you ask a question about them as a human. Uh, you know, if they're kind of slinking away in silence and shame and tilting off the face of the earth, and you can tell that they're just totally within themselves and they can't escape from it. So the right thing to say, Adam, is the right thing to say, period. Even if it's dedicated to helping a person four games from now who's queued up with this guy to have a better game and to win that game and has nothing to do with your game and it's not going to help you in any way, uh, it will eventually help you in life. I promise. Everything comes back around if you're doing the right thing. I'm not really sure how to explain that, but everything does come back around. <laughs> I think it's more like if you're not doing the right thing, eventually it catches up with you. So, um, yeah, that's that's my take on that. There's no possible way to do servant leadership in solo queue games in a way that is going to impact your victory conditions because you never get to play with these people again. And that is one of the flaws of the online anonymous faceless ladder is that you don't get to develop these team bonds and get to see the same opponents and get to see the same allies over and over again, you know, game after game. So you don't develop these kinds of like very human relationships. But the thing that you should think of is like, what if I have my next game with this guy? Or what if, you know, my my brother has a next game with this guy? What can I say to help him go into his next game and do the same thing for somebody else that I'm doing for him? Just say the right thing. You know what the right thing is to say, I think. So the only thing that we lack as players is the motivation to say the right thing. And that is where you need to change your mindset, essentially. I think everybody knows the right thing to say. When you're sitting there online, you're looking, and you think like, man, if I were that guy right now, if you put yourself in their shoes, you know what it is you would want to hear from a teammate. Not like at a logical level, right? Everybody's like, oh yeah, I'd want to hear this thing. Like, you know that if your mother, if you were a 12-year-old and your mother was in the game, if you were a child, imagine the person's a child, like a six-year-old, and you're their mother. You know what they would want to hear. That kind of thinking, okay? Not like, you know, 18-year-old, 18-year-old male to 18-year-old male kind of mono mono kind of thing that you'd want to hear. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real emotional communication. Okay. The show's going to be a little bit heavy today, guys. I already told you why, because of the whole lack of sleep and the anxiety that I have in my life right now. Um, so we'll move on for that. I got a haircut, by the way. Check it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Feels good. Feels nice and cold, which is why I'm wearing a freaking sweater and wool socks. All right. Before we get into the last question, I wanted to remind you guys that I have a Mac program for sale. It's a very good month to buy the Mac program because all purchases go directly to the developer who's developing the new version of the program. And this is the training program that I have done with three professional teams now in order to win four championships. Do I need to sell it any more than that? Um, mindfulness, acceptance, commitment, $30. Get your $5 discount by putting in the code AskWeldon. Uh, becomes $25. Lifetime access. So when I release the new version of the program, you're automatically grandfathered in. 100%. Free for life. Once you get it. <laughs> it's not free for life. One purchase price for life. And you get access for life. No matter how many times I upgrade the program, no matter what I throw into it. That has been the case for the last few years. Um, and that's what it is now until the new program comes out. In which case, we're going to the 
at which point we're going to the subscription model. So yeah, grab it now while you can. I think that in the next eight weeks, we're going to make that shift. Mm, nothing else to say about that today, other than this is a great month to get it. And I've been forgetting completely to change the overlays as I've been doing the show. So that is a signification of how wonderful this day is going. All right, last question on the show, everybody. Let's dive into it. Hey, well done. Your Mac program is just amazing. It's a shout out to people to try this out. My question today is me and my teammates are exactly. just new in team games. I mean, we are all decent at solo queue, but we started to scream and we are getting wrecked by other Vera teams. So I would like to ask what are the stuff we should try first as a team and how I can help my teammates to reach our potential as soon as possible. Our goal is to reach AGC, proceeding on Heroes of the Storm. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much for the fantastic question. Mm, I believe this is Damien. Yes, Damien. All right, so I had a completely different answer for this question. Uh, I think the first time I heard it through, I was like, okay, cool. I have a ton of different things that they could work on. And then I heard on the second listen that it was AGC. So the the pro league for Here's the Storm. And I was like, whatever, I'll just figure out what I'm going to answer on the stream. So here I am. And I have to focus completely on sports psychology and team building stuff because I, I do have not played enough Here's the Storm to actually know what to focus on in terms of in terms of mechanics and strategy to to get to a high level. So, okay, here we go. First things first. You need to be able to um, like or not like your teammate on a personal level. So you need to be able to be like, I'm friends with this guy or I'm not friends with this guy. But when it comes down to the final uh, shot in the final game of the qualification series, you are willing to pass the ball to that person. So here's an example. I was listening to an interview yesterday with Shaquille O'Neal and Shaquille O'Neal was like asked, do you you ever think about what the people say about, oh, what if you could make it work with Kobe? And he's like, what do you mean make it work with Kobe? Everything worked great with Kobe. And they said, yeah, but you you have this like, um, this uh, like public beef, I guess. You didn't get, didn't get along. He was like, who did Kobe Bryant pass the ball to in the last moments of Game 7 of the NBA Championship Series final to win the game for him, to take the last shot to close out the victory. That's right, me. All right, we didn't have any beef. The idea is that, like, you have these you have these relationships, right, that are like friend relationships. They're peer relationships. And they're the things that, that allow you to, to say nice things to each other and tolerate each other on the surface. Those do not work in sport. Because sport is more like war. Um, you have the things that you can do and the things that you can't do, and you have to trust each other with your... You have to trust your teammate with your own dreams. They're not carrying their own ambitions on their back. They're carrying your ambitions plus their own ambitions. And that trust can be violated so easily, and it has nothing to do with friendship. So one of the things that you have to work on building up is this connection, this band of brotherhood that goes more to the family dynamic or the wartime band of brothers dynamic than than friendship does. Because at some point, you need to be able to disagree with a person completely and still trust them to make the play that is going to get you the slot in the pro pro series. 
You need to you need to go into a game knowing that they're going that they've been failing this this move or this play or this thing all week, and they've been training hard, and you're going to trust them a hundred percent in the game to actually make the play at the same time that you know that there's a high chance that they're going to make mess it up, but you still throw them the ball because that is the way that you have a long term successful team that eventually makes it to a championship is you saddle each other with each other's virtues and dreams and aspirations. And that weight of carrying your teammates' ambitions on your back forces you to expand, grow, and improve faster and more solidly than any other force that you could apply to them. Any other drill sergeant force, any other coaching force, any other motivational force. The fact that they are carrying your dreams on their back. All right, so how do you achieve that? Um, simple. You got to connect with your teammates on a human level outside of the game. So you're talking about game stuff. Then you go on a date. You arrange dates with one-on-one calls, or if you're in the same city with these people, one-on-one dates to restaurants where you talk and exchange information deeply about things unrelated to the game. You connect with them on a human level. When I was working with pro teams, I would assign them questions. Um, I would have them go through, you know, a sequence of, of ever deepening questions. I would assign them uh, specific questions for a certain day, you know, like one related to the game, one related to them, their history, something they don't know about the other person. Like, when did you have your first kiss? Um, what, if your house was burning down, like which family member would you save and why? Not that dark and deep, but like what possession would you save and why? You know, these kind of things. Um, these kind of like simple icebreaker things, but when you put them in a one-on-one situation, you're actually developing this kind of closeness. Okay, so that's the first thing I would do. Try to build a band of brothers instead of a instead of a team. Try to build a band of brothers, a group of men who would go to war and die for each other, and women, if you have women on your team. Fantastic. Um, okay, then the second thing that I would do is I would work on, on communication. So every single communication is an embedded meaning. You have words, and the words embed meaning of a, of a complex play. And the more plays you can embed in a, in a single, the more meaning you can embed in a single word, the better. So you should spend a lot of your time in your communication defining the things you're saying. You say, when we say this, what does that mean? When we say this, what does that mean? And every single person on the team has a part to play in every single play. Okay, so expand your playbook. What is your playbook? It's a collection of memes and words and labels that you use to describe the plays you're going to execute as a five-man unit. Now, this is important. Every single play is a five-man play. I think here's the story might be three-man. I'm not really sure. Isn't it? Isn't it three-man sometimes? Here's of the storm AGC. I think AGC is all five-man, right? Anyway, let's just assume it's five-man. So every single play is a five-man play. I don't care if you're just playing, uh, doing a bot lane play with your jungler and you have a label for that play. The other two people are still involved. What are they supposed to be doing while the play is happening on the bot side? What are they supposed to be doing? Right? They have a part to play in the play, even though it's focused on one side of the map. They can assist or they can make it irrelevant. They can make that play twice as effective or they can make it not matter at all because they screw up something on their side. Okay, so... Every single play is a five-man play. When you are reviewing and you're listening to comms, you should always review with comms, 
with the with the team voices that you hear like over the comms and you should you should say this is what we call this and this is what this means and this is everybody's part in it like and you have everybody explain their part in the play so that you're always clarifying your playbook you're always expanding your playbook and you want to have your playbook to be as large as possible okay number three build a come from behind playbook so every single time that you are training and scrimming and you are behind you are working on a new playbook. You're working on like comeback moves. You're working on comeback plays. You're working on like, how can we scrape together one inch of progress towards victory? Um, what can we still, and when the game is really lost in a scrimmage, you're thinking, what can we still learn from this game? Can we learn any mechanics? Can we learn team fight coordination? Can we learn the, our, the, the coordination of our champions' abilities together? Okay, these kind of things. So you're always trying to learn, even when scrims are not going well, and you're always building up a playbook for comeback because you're going to win, you know, the games that you're better at, uh, the other team. The ones that you need to win, they're going to push you over the edge are the ones where you beat the teams that you shouldn't otherwise beat because they mess up and because you're good enough and resilient enough to stick it out. Okay, and the final thing that you should work on is in team fight communication. You should only be communicating target selection, which may or may not be necessary a lot of the times. And then you should be communicating cooldowns, remaining seconds of key CC elements. So when you have a CC spell that's going to like stun or sleep or otherwise disable a person, and you have like five seconds left, you're like five, five seconds until blank, two seconds, one, zero. Okay. And then basically you, the thing that you need verbal communication of in a team fight is the coordination of CC abilities and damage. Okay. So don't, Fill up teamfight communication with useless information. Don't spam target selection because most of the target selection is going to be visual and decision-based. Like the people are experts at their champ and they're expert at their role. They know who to go on and they know when. And you can review the teamfight after and be like, oh, I should have gone on this person and I should have gone at this time. Okay, you can figure that out later. Screaming it a bunch in game is pretty much irrelevant because it's like like so much of teamfight communication is visual already and most of the target selection i would say is visual that that screaming screaming people's names and champions names is is almost useless what you should be communicating in a team fight is coordination of cc spells you should be communicating when your spell when your key fight changing target changing spell comes off cooldown so that you can coordinate it with somebody else whose other spell comes off cooldown that is what's going to win you team fights in terms of coordination. Okay, guys. And then whether or not you're losing or winning the team fights. So you got to know you got if you're going forward or backward. You know, retreat, retreat, retreat. Get ready to turn, get ready to turn, turn. You know, or turn on my spell, things like that. Okay. Those are my those are my four suggestions. I think it came up with four suggestions. I hope they're useful. They're they're kind of like the first things that I start to diagnose and work with on any team. They're usually the the biggest impact things that get me the most victories with the team and allow me to then work on more long-term kind of like, you know, mental power kind of stuff where you're doing meditation, et cetera, et cetera. Cause I get those, those quick wins and we make the team amazingly better in the short term off of the back of those kind of four principles or four activities. All right, that's it for the show today, guys. Make sure to check out the Mac program. If you haven't already, mindgames.gg slash MAC code at checkout is ask Weldon. Sorry for the uh, slight number of yawns today in today's show and the and the maybe low energy i can't tell if i have low energy or depressed energy but anyway like i said bad night last night insomnia three hours of sleep stressful month losing money having a baby we'll see if things go well or not maybe we live off of credit cards 
that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. A lot of people do that and turn out fine. And anyway, it's not like it's a real problem, right? I mean, there are people that got real problems in the world. And so I'm just going to go read some Kierkegaard, who talks all about anxiety and what a wonderful place it has in the modern world. And uh, check you later. That's the show for you today. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Remember, this show is supported by the Mac program, so you can check that out at mindgames.gg mac, and you all should use the code podcast. That'll give you an extra dollar discount and show that you come from this listening experience instead of the YouTube show. So make sure that you, when you get to the checkout cart, you use the code podcast to get your discount. And uh, yeah, be sure to check us out on twitch.tv if you want to catch the entire show live. This is obviously just a 30, 45 minute clip from the center of the three main call-in questions, but we do a full live show on twitch.tv slash mindgamesweldon, and you can actually listen to these as an audio experience. So not only can you catch me live and stick me in your pocket and listen to the whole show, I do read the questions from Twitch chat before I answer them, so you don't need to see the screen for any of it. But also, I have my entire video archive of every single past show there on Twitch, and you can always uh, go back to the show that you want and catch the pre and post show chat and chatter, which is basically just an extended version of the show. So if you're just dying for more audio content, that's always an option for you. And thank you very much for uh, paying attention today. I'll see you tomorrow.